Acts chapter 13. Just last couple of studies, we saw if Herod had had his way, he wouldn't have just stopped with James and Peter. He would have destroyed the church if he could. But the Lord has a people he determines, he's determined to save. And back in chapter 1, verse 8, I've quoted this verse several times in our study. He told them to wait in Jerusalem till these men, they were just, some were fishermen. There was a few that were accountants and a few other things, but the world would look at them as nobodies, as unlearned and ignorant men. But he said, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Why did he send his spirit so they could witness? Witness what? They could tell what they'd seen and heard, and you could, but you could tell what you've seen and heard and nobody believe it. But the tale, what you've seen and heard, we our hands have handled and we have saw him. And for people to believe that, only grace can enable someone to believe it. You shall be witnesses unto me. We're at in Jerusalem, and this is how we've seen this progress through this book. This is how he ordained it. We're going to begin in Jerusalem. 3,000 souls will be saved in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. 3,000. And then another 5,000. Jerusalem. Judea, a little bit out from Jerusalem. Samaria, the Samaritans, the neglected, despised people. But that's not the end of it. Philip, you remember Philip went and left and went, preached to the Ethiopian eunuch. And what we're going to see today, tonight, in chapter 13, is where he begins to send the gospel all over the world and he's going to use men and he's going to use the means that they have in the day in which they live they didn't have cars they didn't have cell phones they didn't have tvs they didn't have any way of recording a message unless somebody wrote it down they used what they had and god sent them out to save his people, everything that happened, even Rome being in, in ruling the world now is for this purpose, that the gospel can now go to all over the world, all over the world. He said to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles, and that's what he did. They rejected it as a whole. They was a few. But now here in verse, chapter 13, verse 1, we'll probably, Lord willing, try to look down through uh, verse 12, now there was in the, ch in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaim, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and then it just says Saul. At the end of it, it's Saul. You know who Saul is? He's a nobody. He's less than the least of all saints. He's just Saul. Saul is his Hebrew name. Paul is his Roman name. You know what the name Paul means? The little one. 
Some believe that he was not only just small in stature, but that's how he saw himself in the eyes. He didn't, he didn't mind to be less than least of all saints. But he lists these men. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I've called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Cilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. The church at Antioch. How did it come into being? If you would turn back to chapter 11 and I'll show you. The church in Jerusalem, there's still a church there. But that church has served its purpose. And now the main, the main focus will be where the missionaries are sent out from. Everything will begin there in Antioch. Instead of the church at Jerusalem helping the church at Antioch, the church in Antioch is helping the poor saints in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 11 verse 19 now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. Remember when Stephen was persecuted? You mean when you remember when Stephen was stoned to death? The people had to leave. They didn't want to leave Jerusalem. We don't like to leave where somewhere is comfortable to our flesh. We want things easy. We might as well just be honest. And he allowed this. Now they can't stay. It's not state. It's not safe to stay in Jerusalem. They left. Well, where did they go? Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And you know what they did when they went? They went preaching the gospel. And they just happened to come to Antioch. It's not an accident. This is on purpose. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Who are they preaching to? The Grecians, those who speak Greek. You know where the Greeks come from? You remember? Remember Alexander the Great? The Greeks. The Old Testament is written in what? Hebrew. There's a, it's called the Septuagint. Not everyone could read Hebrew. So they translated the Old Testament into the Greek language, which is called the Septuagint, where people could read it in their language. You know what the New Testament was written in? Greek. Who ordained that? The Lord did. But you see how it served his purpose, and he's going to, these people are going to take the gospel to these people, and they're able to speak their language. Because you know where Barnabas is from? Cyprus. Does he know those people? Well, sure he does. It'd be like me coming up here and say, well, you know, they some people down in North Carolina need to hear the gospel. I can tell you about some of those people. I, I've lived among them. Okay, and some were men of Cyprus and Serene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Now watch this. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. 
You know, it's a blessing when anybody believes. It's, it's a miracle that anybody believes. You can't, you can't, I don't care how hard you try, you can't make yourself believe. You can't make something, you can't make yourself love something that you hate by nature. And these people believed. They actually believed. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem. Can that really be true, what's happening at Antioch? I hope it's true. So what are we going to do? How are we going to find out about it? And they sent forth Barnabas. Why would they send Barnabas? His name means the son of consolation. We, Barnabas, we, would you go up there to Antioch and just check on them people? And you come back and you tell us how things are going. And that he should go as far as Antioch, and when he came, he'd seen the grace of God. How do you see the grace of God? It's what he could see. These people, they seem to believe. The grace of God makes a man gracious. They're not, they're not gracious by nature. He saw the grace of God and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they should cleave to the Lord. For he was a good man. Well, I didn't think there was any good. <laughs> he made him good. He was a good man. God made him a good man. He was good-hearted, kind, and gracious. Let me find my place. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. But what did Barnabas do then? He didn't go right back to Jerusalem, which you would have thought that would have been what he had done. Who's he going to go get? Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Does he know Saul? Well, sure he does. Do you know when Saul, after he was converted, when he come to Jerusalem, the people, even the disciples were afraid of him. I don't believe he's been converted. He's just deceiving you. And Barnabas steps up and he said, now hold on just a minute. I've heard this man preach. I've seen a change in that man. God did a work of grace in that man. And they embraced Paul because of Barnabas. God make us a Barnabas. <laughs> then he departed, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for the seek song. And when he found him, where was he at? He was in Tarsus. Why was he in Tarsus? That's where he was from. For to seek Saul, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Oh, they spent a whole year there. A whole year preaching to these people. You know why? They needed to be preached to. They needed to be taught. These were like children needing the milk of the word. And the whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Before they were called those of that way, they were called saints and they were other things. But how are they going to distinguish them from all these other people who 
they, they, you can imagine all these different idols. What makes them people different? They're followers of a man named Christ. What is Christ? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' name is the name of his humiliation. Christ is the name of his exaltation. Him is our mediator, the anointed one. They're followers of Christ, Christians. And now, you know, that name is just everybody that they say believes that they call them Christians. I was just looking something up, I guess, today or last night, and the question was asked, you know, is the Catholics and Christians the same thing? Well, in the world's eyes, they probably are. But all those faults believe in works. But God established a church, and it was in Antioch. But those are Christians. They follow Christ. They worship Christ. They are, that's all they talk about. They didn't talk about nothing else. All they want to talk about is Christ, Christ, Christ. I heard someone say to a man one time, said, oh, you want to preach is Christ. He said, there's nothing else to preach. If we don't preach Christ, we might as well go to the house. Christ. But they were first called Christian. They wouldn't call Christians in Jerusalem. They were called that way. You don't want to go that way. Paul said, if I find anybody walking that way, I'm going to kill them. But now Paul is with those that they call Christians. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar, then disciples, every man according to his ability. They determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwell in Judea. Now this church, there's a famine came. And them church, them people at that church are suffering. So now this church, everybody that has an ability, has the ability to give, give freely. They take up an offering and they send it by the hand of Barnabas and Saul to take it and deliver to those people. To send relief to the brethren which dwelt in Judah because, you know, really... They may be a church in Jerusalem. They may be a church in Antioch. They may be a church in uh, Cottageville or anywhere else, but we're still all one church. We're all his children. And when one member suffers, all of the members suffer with him. <clears throat> and they sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So that's how the church came to be in Antioch. Don't ever take those things for granted. Only God can establish a church, and only God can preserve a church. This church was here because he established it, and the gates of hell could not prevail against it. But here in verse 1, five different men are mentioned. It says they are prophets and teachers. Let me say first that there is no prophets today in which we live. These were something that were needed for the church in that day. Remember that man named Agabus? He stood up, and here's what he said. There's going to be a, a famine, a dearth in all the world. Why? God's going to send it. How did he know about that? God told him. That's a prophet. And then there's teachers that instruct. Not all are prophets, not all are teachers. 
But in that church, there was these. Mainly, they were men called of God. And wherever a work is needed to be done, God always raises up men for the work. There are never too many, and there's never too less. There's always as many as he needs. What is the responsibility of the church? It is to carry the gospel to the whole world. As I've already mentioned, that church in Jerusalem, they, they would have been content, and we all would have been. Who would have, who would have not wanted to go where God had saved 8,000 people? No question, he's manifest in his presence. But then his persecution comes. And because Stephen tells men the truth, they take him outside the city. And I can't think of a more horrible death apart from crucifixion than stoning someone to death. Not, you won't quit throwing stones till they're dead. And through that persecution, it drove them out. They had to leave, and everywhere they went, it's like sowing seeds. The first one mentioned is Barnabas, the son of consolation. And then the second one is called Simon, called Niger. Other men would call Simon. You remember Simon Peter? How are we going to know which Simon he's talking to? It's like, you know why my grandkids call me grandpappy? Because their other grandpa was Mike also. So how are we going, which grandpa are we talking about? That was Justin's daddy. We're going to call this one. I'm not going to call him grandpa. We're going to call him grandpappy. <laughs> grandpappy is Mike Walker, not Mike Green. <laughs> this man was Simon called Niger. Why was he called Niger? It is the Latin word for black. He probably came from northern Africa, Simon, called Niger. These men, these people, these men that he's mentioning, these are refugees that have left from Jerusalem. Do you, do you remember another Simon of Cyrene in the scriptures? Do you remember another one? You know who he was? And as they came out of the city and our Lord's carrying his cross, they found the man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and they compelled him to bear his cross. This man carries that cross all the way to Gethsemane. I mean, all the way to Calvary. All the way. And this man watches them probably nail our Lord to that cross. And that man sees something. He's forced to carry the cross. He couldn't say, no, I'm not going to carry it. And then we just speculate. But it could have been through that that God saved this man. Now, he's not in Jerusalem. He's in Antioch. And his name is mentioned. Now, out of these men that are mentioned, the only two that we know, that we remember, is Barnabas and Saul. You know what? It doesn't matter if we're remembered or not. That's not the important thing. But these men were there. These men. Man, Am, his name means comforter. And it says he was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. 
Some believe that he was the foster brother of Herod Antipas, which was the one that, member Herod and Pilate were made friends. This man was influential. He was of royal descent. Not many wise, not many noble are called, but there's some are. This man was of royal descent. And then the last one is mentioned is Saul. His name is Paul, the little one. In verses 2 and 3, the Holy Spirit said, Appoint me. He speaks to these men, these men. He said, I want you to take Paul and Silas and set them apart because I'm going to send them. I'm not going to leave them here in Antioch. I'm sending them on a missionary trip to begin taking the gospel to the whole world. Paul makes three missionary trips, and we're going to see them, Lord willing, as we go through the remainder of this book. But this is the first one that they're sent out. They were worshiping. They were praying and fasting, seeking the Lord's will. Barnabas and Saul were called of God. These were just men. And they were called for a work. They will be sent as missionaries. Because God will be sending Barnabas and Saul out as missionaries, the church here in Antioch will lose two great preachers. As I think about this, I think about when Henry used to have his preacher school. Those preachers were not intended to stay there forever. Darwin Pruitt, John Chapman, Paul Mahan, and I can admit Todd Nybert. These, these men at one time went to that church, but they didn't stay there. God sent them out to churches, and they become pastors. I think I've heard some of y'all say years ago that Henry used to send preachers here. They left there. They were good preachers and teachers. They left there to come here. That was mission work. They was the work that needed to be done. And even when you was out another pastor, the Lord sent men here to preach to you because you needed to hear the gospel. And here Barnabas and Saul, they're set apart. And I'm going to send them out. Don't have a car. Don't have a bicycle. Don't have a motorcycle sent out before I move on you you just think about the things that we have today and I want, and you've heard me say this I'm going to keep repeating it the only reason we have what we have is for the Lord's people we have these things right here <laughs> we can't get away from them but we can take we can take that phone and you, and you can you can send the gospel on Sunday morning, that radio station has an app. And there was a lady, where was it she used to live, Sandy, in South America? It was somewhere in South America. She used to listen to our radio broadcast on Sunday morning. Plum, it was plumb down past, I mean, plumb way on down in South America, Costa Rica. How can that be? We had the ability. You think of the things that God has given us today. It's like now we, we, we live stream these services. 
We have the ability to, before we didn't. The gospel will be taken unto the whole world. Why? He has his elect scattered all over the world, and he's going to save them. And we use the means that we have available. I can't imagine. Okay, Sandy, we're going to go to uh, North Carolina for Christmas. We, we better saddle up the horse, and we better tie the horse to the wagon. <laughs> imagine making that trip. <laughs> but that's how they did most time they either walked or they went by ship. But it's amazing, even through that, how they took the gospel. The gospel spread. I just got to, you know, preach Sunday and uh, that message on God is able, and I preached it again, just recorded it for the radio this Sunday. And God is able. The Lord sent Paul and Barnabas out, and they're going to carry the gospel to the whole world. It said they laid their hands on them. And sent them away. This was a way that's not that they're conveying something. And here's how people take things out of context. You know, you've seen people, remember how it was real bad several years ago. They'd get people up in front of the church and they'd slap them upside the head and they'd say they're laying hands on them and they would, could receive the Holy Spirit or they was healed. That's not what they're doing. These men are showing, they're asking that God would bless these men. In their endeavors, as God sends them out. Lord, watch over them, keep them, protect them. Bless them. May the gospel run well. Remove the hindrances. Because it says in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, Finally, my brethren, pray for us. You know what I need more than anything else? I need your prayers. Pray for us. That the word of the Lord may have free course. What does that mean, have free course? Remove every obstacle and be glorified. Oh, that the gospel would run well. Oh, that God would remove every obstacle. Verses 4 and 5. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit. That church didn't send them. Who sent them? The Holy Spirit did. And they departed unto Cilicia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were come to Salmas, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. Now the Holy Spirit makes mention of that because John, he, he, you know, this is John Mark. And he probably looked forward to this trip. Oh, we're going to Cyprus. Why is that important to him? Because he's Barnabas' nephew. Barnabas and his sister and Mark probably lived there in Cyprus. Oh, we get to see some family. And John Mark, he was not a preacher at this time. He was just a servant for them. And Barnabas had probably encouraged him or told Paul, you know, why don't we take Mark with us? We can, it'll be good for him. And it would have been good. I'd like to tagged along with Barnabas and Saul. I would have. Here they come, and they had John to their helper. Now, it seems they went to these places. It doesn't give us a lot of details about what they did. Till they came to verse 6. And when they had gone through the isle into Patphos, 
they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Doesn't that seem odd that a man would be called Bar-Jesus? And he's a sorcerer. They practice magic, deceit, trickery. You want a good example? When Moses goes in before Pharaoh, he takes his rod down and he, no, the magician, yeah, he lays his rod down and it turns into a serpent. Then magician said, oh, there ain't nothing to that. They all woke up. Two of them did, laid their rods down, it turned into a serpent. But Moses' rod ate theirs. How did they do it? By enchantments, a trickery, by the sleight of hand. And his name, Bar-Jesus, means son of Jesus or son of Joshua. Isn't it amazing that it says the first one they met was a sorcerer? There's always going to be what? Opposition. They don't worship God. They worship false gods. Which when which was Bar-Jesus was with the deputy of the countries, Sergius Paulus. He was a prudent man, a man with influence, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Why would this man want to hear the word of God? What a blessing, Danny. Would you tell me about this, Jesus? Would you tell me about this Christ that they said was dead and is, is, is alive? He's rose from the dead? And I could see him say, um, Bar Jesus, I think I'll invite Barnabas and Saul over here. I want to talk to him about that Christ. Now, this man is a Jew. This man is a pretender. This man, he, the only probably the only reason he likes this man, Sergius Paulus, is because he probably lines his pockets from that man. He deceives him. He's a false prophet. He's a false preacher. Like I said earlier about those that used to slap people upside, you know what they did? Send us your money. Why don't, don't you want to buy our prayer cloth? You know, we've, we've cried over these things, and, you know, there's something about this. That's who this man was. He said, I wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. You know basically what he's saying? I can't stand by and let this happen. I can't let this man hear and believe. Somebody's a fake, either the sorcerer or Barnabas and Saul. Everything was fine till God comes, then Paul and Barnabas, and he's going to expose this man for what he is. That's what the gospel does. It exposes darkness. Do you know the scriptures even mention, as I mentioned, the two men who, who uh, served there in, in Pharaoh's court? Do you know it even mentions their names in the New Testament? 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8, Now as James and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these men resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobates. That's a strong word, reprobates concerning the faith. That's this man. William Mason said, Satan rages at his loss and hates the doctrine of the cross. He hates it. You think he wants to let that man go free? I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything I can to keep that man from hearing the gospel. And he's still trying to do that. He would do everything he could to keep people. He don't want people to hear the gospel. What did Paul do? Verse 9. Then Paul, Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on that man. And he said, Oh, full of all subtlety and mischief, you're not the son of Jesus. You're a child of the devil. That's pretty sovereign language, isn't it? I could see Sergius Paulus watching this, hearing this. This man's a, a child of the devil? Thou enemy of all righteousness? Wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? That's what he was doing. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he was wanting to do. You know, this is not the, the first time a sorcerer's been taken on. You remember in uh, Acts chapter 20, remember Peter? Remember Simon Magus? And Peter said unto him, you know what Simon said? Wow. You all, you, you all lay hands on people and they receive the Holy Spirit. He said, how much can I give you? How much can I pay you and you teach me how to do that? He thinks that the gift of God can be purchased with money. That's what he thinks. Peter sees it. Now, this man claims to believe. This man claims to believe. He, Peter said, thy money perish with thee because you have thought the gift of God may be pur pur purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this manner, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray that God, if perhaps the thought, the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive thou art in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. Paul said, that man, you're full of deceit and trickery. You know what people want to do? They want to trick people. They try to trick people into making decisions. They used to call them gimmicks. And gadgets. We'll trick them. Yeah, I remember when they, they used to tell you this in preacher school. Now, don't tell them you're getting ready to close your sermon. Because if you tell them you're getting ready to, to end your sermon, they'll tense up, you know. Because they know what's coming next. Oh, the altar call. <laughs> well, that, but that's trickery, trying to, to deceive men. We preach the gospel and we leave it in the Lord's hands. It ain't, we're not trying to trick people. We want people to believe. This is not a trick. This is real. 
Paul was filled with the Spirit of God, and he rebuked that man because you know what he's trying to do? He doesn't want this man to be saved. Satan and his imps does not want any person to be a believer. He doesn't want them to hear the gospel. They'll hinder it any way they can. They don't want people to come. They'll do everything they can. Let's schedule it on Sunday. Let's schedule it on Sunday morning so they won't have to come. Years ago, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have put up with it. We're not going. Where are you going to be on Sunday morning? We're going to be worshiping God. But you see how they, why did they do those things? Because they don't care. And I've been through it just like y'all have. But the trickery, tricky. And what did Paul say? He said, you're full of subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness. Will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee. And thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking somebody to lead him by the hand. Immediately, he can't see. This could be physical blindness. This can also be judicial blindness. Do you know God can make it be in such a way as they cannot see? God can send judicial judgment upon a community or upon a nation. They cannot see. They cannot see what they're doing. They cannot see which way to go. They can't see. What I want you to see here, the word of God is not bound. The hand of a God is against this man. He's suddenly inflicted. But you know, there's a little mercy mixed in here. It was just for a little season. Back several chapters... Adonis and Sapphira, when God spoke, they dropped dead. He blinded this man. Can you imagine what he thinks when he's able to see? How could I be so foolish? How could I think that I could deceive men? And that's what men are doing. They're deceiving them. They're deceiving them into thinking that if you make a decision, everything's okay between you and God, and it's not. And it says, what happened to the deputy? Can you imagine what just happened here, Kurt? I trusted this man. And he's a child of the devil. You see how the gospel exposed this for what it was. And it said, Then the deputy, verse 12, when he saw what was done, believed. Wow. This is recorded for our benefit, for our learning. And it was written for this man. Lord intended to save that man. And he delivered him. 
He delivered him from the trickeries. He delivered him from the darkness. He believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. He believed. He believed. Oh, that God would enable men to believe. You know, in Romans chapter 10, a person cannot believe in a God he's never heard of. He may have heard about him, but now he actually hears. God sent these men to preach so that these people could hear. Most people have never heard the gospel. Listen to them talk. Listen to them talk. Look at the way they live. These men served God. They wanted to, no matter where they went. But, you know, when he mentioned about Mark, I know we'll get into this in the next couple of studies. But Mark, he, he didn't mind to go with them when they're going to Cyprus. Yeah, I got some kin people down there. I, I, can't, I can't wait to see them. But somebody said the way they had to go back to Antioch was a pretty rough road. And by the time they get back to Antioch, I can see John Mark said, eh, it's a little harder than what I thought. And you know what he does? He leaves. And he goes back home to his mama. And we know he's not done. But you see, some people think that it's easy. That Paul said, I endure all things for the elect's sake. Paul, one time in Acts 20, he said, I'm going to Jerusalem. And when I go down to Jerusalem, I don't know what's going to happen to me. They may kill me. I just don't know. But none of that moves me. I don't take, I'm not concerned about myself. I'm concerned about people hearing the gospel. May God give us all that desire and that zeal to honor him and to tell men about our Lord. What was it, brethren, we've met the worship? All these sinners sinking down. Does it not move you to see them? Our fathers and our mothers sinking down.